Guardian Unlimited. Questions to the Prime Minister. Philip Davis. Number one, Mr Speaker. Yeah. Mr Speaker, before listing my engagements, I'm sure the whole House will wish to join me in sending our profound condolences to the families and friends of the four servicemen killed in Iraq over the past week. The three senior aircraft men from the RAF killed last Thursday, Chris Dunsmore of 504 Squadron, Royal Auxiliary Air Force, Peter McFerrin of 1st Squadron, Royal Air Force, Matthew Caldwell of 1st Squadron, Royal Air Force, and at the weekend, Lord Lance Corporal Timothy Flowers from the Royal Electrical and Mechanical Engineers. They died doing important work in the service of their country and our country, and we owe them and others who have lost their lives a deep debt of gratitude. Mr. Speaker, this morning I had meetings with Minister, your colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in the House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Since the Right Honourable Gentleman became Prime Minister, he has allowed the release from prison of 951 criminals who had been judged too dangerous to release from prison on a tag. If these people were too dangerous to be out of prison on a tag, why is it that they are now safe to be released from prison without a tag? Mr Speaker, I have studied the case that the Opposition has been making about this. Last week they quoted the National Association of Probation Officers who say that we are not opposed to the end of custody licences. They have no objection in principle to them at all. And as for his, and as for, and as for his, as for his point about tagging and about home detention curfew, the people who were let out were let out four and a half months early under home detention curfew. The people who were let out in the last few weeks were let out on July the 6th when otherwise they would be let out on July the 24th. There was only an 18 days difference. And I, I, have to, I have to say to him, I have to say to him, the major change that we made as a government over the last few weeks is to build more prison places which they could not afford because they don't have the money to do it. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Can I uh, thank my right honourable friend and all the other ministers for the interest they've taken in Gloucestershire? Can I pay due regard to the emergency services for the superb work that they have undertaken and obviously pass on my commiserations to my colleagues in the county and all their constituents. However, can it be right that we are being told that it will take 14 days to get back our main drinking supplies? And indeed, there is great misinformation about who is currently off from the main supply and who is likely to be off. And all the businesses and farms, as well as the individual households, do want some certainty, and it cannot be the case that we have to wait so long in this day and age because of this crisis. Severn Trent have needed for some time to understand that they've got to move quicker, and I hope my right honourable friend will make sure that they do move quicker. Yeah. Well, let me first of all join uh, my friend in expressing my sympathy to all the people in the Gloucester, Tewkesbury and related areas who have suffered an enormous amount of inconvenience as a result of uh, the storms and then the floods. Uh, and I want also to pay tribute uh, to the emergency services, to the police, to the fire services, the army and all those who have worked to try to get supplies into the areas and to make sure that the utilities are back serving the people. He is right that uh, my uh, power station, the water station, uh, failed. He is right that we would like it back to use as quickly as possible. He is also, I think, uh, right that all the civil engineering capacity that can be brought to bear is being brought to bear uh, to stop what is a situation where the waterworks were polluted and therefore there is a danger that the water that is uh, pouring out from there 
uh, would contaminate uh, local uh, people. Uh, we have uh, made it clear to Severn uh, uh, Water Company that it has got to provide the bowsers uh, for the area. 900 have already been provided. 900 will be provided in the next uh, day. Uh, drinking water is being provided through the retail stores. Uh, I think the company has uh, discharged its duty in making sure that that water is available. Obviously, we want the Mythe uh, water station back as quickly as possible. I will uh, visit the area later today, and I've invited the members uh, for Gloucester and Tewkesbury uh, on both sides of the House to join me on that visit, and we will see it firsthand uh, how things are progressing. Uh, but I think the House owes a debt of gratitude to all the emergency services, and we will do everything we can to get supplies restored as quickly as possible. I join the Prime Minister in sending my condolences to the families of Lance Corporal Timothy Flowers and senior aircraftsmen Matthew Caldwell, Christopher Dunsmore and Peter McFerrin, all of whom were killed in Iraq. Their deaths are a daily reminder of the daily sacrifices that our young, and men, young men and women are making on our behalf and we honour their memory. I also join him and the Honourable Member for Stroud in praising the emergency services and local councils for the vital work they're doing in dealing with floods. The sympathy of the whole House will go out to those who have lost loved ones and those who have been flooded out or evacuated and those who have had property damaged or lost. Looking to the future and how we minimise the risk of future flooding, at least five times in the last decade, this House has been told that coordination between the Environment Agency and local councils needs to improve. I welcome the review the Prime Minister has set up. Can he confirm it will look at coordination to make sure this time it's really delivered? And will he make sure we do everything possible to protect key infrastructure in the future? Well, I, I, I'm grateful. I, I hope it is a matter uh, that all the House will agree on. First of all, that we thank all the emergency services. I, I've seen at first hand the superb work that they're doing. I look forward to meeting. I look, for, I look forward to. I, I look forward to meeting the services later later today. I also want to agree with him that the sympathies that go out to those who have been disconnected and to those who are without vital supplies is something that is shared by the whole House. And we will have to look at what is to happen in the future. The main thing at the moment is, of course, the main thing is to make people secure, to prevent uh, any further incidents, and to do what we can to give people the supplies that they need. Uh, the review that has been set up was set up as a result of what happened in Yorkshire in Humberside, it is to understand why the flooding has been so extensive, why, why we are seeing such extreme weather conditions, but it is also to learn lessons uh, for the future. Uh, the siting of infrastructure is one issue I think he will agree about. Uh, the uh, provision of uh, supplies for uh, dealing with floods is another issue. Drainage is an issue that became particularly relevant because of what's happening on the roads. All these issues will be investigated in full, and I believe that the report that he will see when it comes out uh, later this year will be extensive, both in looking at what has happened and in what needs to be done. And I hope there will be an all-party consensus that we will need to invest more in, in preventing floods in the future. David Cameron. I'm grateful for that answer, but there is a specific question that some local councils are asking about the compensation that they will receive. Order. The Right Honourable Gentleman should be heard. Order. Uh, order, Mr. Campbell. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. People in this country are discussing these issues and they want these questions asked and answered. 
There is a specific question. Local councils are asking about the compensation they will receive for the money they spend on flood relief. They welcome the improvements which have taken place in the funding formula. The Prime Minister has said there will be 100% relief, but the formula still requires councils to fund the first part of the bill. In some cases, that can run into millions of pounds. So does 100% really mean 100%? Uh, un 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 under the uh, Belwyn formula, it used to be 85% of costs recovered. It is now 100% as a result of an announcement we made because of what happened in Yorkshire and Humberside, and that is extended to all the areas affected now. In addition to that, uh, my right honourable friend, the Secretary of Environment, announced that the uh, fund that was set up for Yorkshire and Humberside will be extended from 10 million to 20 million so that local authorities can make further claims where there are difficulties that they are facing. I can also say today that in addition to that, with funding that will come from the Department of Schools and from the regional development agencies, the total funding available uh, for both Yorkshire and Hunderside and for what's happening in the areas that we're visiting today uh, will be 46 million in total. So we have substantially raised the funds that are available so that local authorities are in a better position to respond. Now, in addition to that, we will have to look at the infrastructure needs for the future, and that will be a matter for the inquiry that is taking place uh, that my right honourable friend has set up. So in the immediate uh, terms, uh, 46 million will be made available. Uh, in, the longer, in the longer run, we will have to look at what we've got to do to improve our infrastructure. And of course, as he knows, expenditure on uh, flood uh, defences is in being increased from 300 million to 600 million and to 800 million by 2011. I hope again that all parties will support that. The focus in some parts of the country is now shifting from emergency response to clean-up. Can the Prime Minister tell us what steps the government will take to make sure the insurance companies pay up rapidly? There are many people who don't have insurance. They will find their homes ruined and be left with little or nothing. There are some local hardship funds being set up. But is the Prime Minister satisfied they are extensive enough to cover all of the affected areas? We have been uh, talking, I, I'm grateful to him because it allows me to explain that we, we have been talking to the insurance companies who are in a position to act quickly and we are urging them to do so. For those people who are uninsured, part of the reason why we are funding local authorities with the additional £20 million is to enable them to help people who are in particular difficulties. In addition to that, there are crisis grants and community care grants, and I know that money has already paid out in Yorkshire and Humberside. We will do what we can to help those get their insurance payments as quickly as possible and to help the uninsured. And again, I hope it's a matter uh, on all sides of the House that we want both to make sure that people insure for the future at the same time to make sure the insurance companies pay up quickly. Thank you. Okay. Um, my right honourable friend will be aware of the very serious situation facing broadcasters in this country um, with the revelations last week by the BBC and this morning's resignation of the head of GMTV. Will he, attempt, will he hold urgent talks with Ofcom and with the DCMS in an attempt to restore faith, public faith in broadcasters? This, this is a very serious matter because it affects the confidence that people have in television stations and those people who are running competitions uh, and running telephone lines where they're relying on people in the general public to have confidence in what they're doing. I will certainly have the talks that she suggests, but it is a matter for these authorities to sort out and they should do it quickly. Mingus Campbell. Yeah. Uh, once again, I associate myself with the expressions 
of condolence and sympathy which we just heard from the Prime Minister. And like him, I wish to pay tribute to the local authorities, to the armed services and the emergency services, some of whose work I've seen for myself. The Prime Minister... The Prime Minister has acknowledged the importance of the infrastructure and in particular uh, water treatment plants and power stations. In the review to which he is referred, set up by the Secretary of State for the Environment, will there be a detailed assessment of the precautions available in relation to all of these infrastructural facilities around the country and not just in the areas which have been affected in the last few weeks. I'm grateful again to him because this is exactly what we've got to do. If we are dealing with extreme weather conditions as we are and if we are dealing with the situation as we found in uh, Yorkshire and Humberside and then particularly in Gloucester where a month of rain uh, fell within an hour, uh, then we have got to look at whether the precautions that we've taken in the past are satisfactory and whether the siting of infrastructure is in the right place, and whether the drainage arrangements that have been made in the past, in the 19th century and 20th century, are suitable for these 21st century conditions. So I can assure him that the review has terms of reference, which I could read out to him, but I will pass on to him, which are su sufficiently wide enough for all these issues uh, to be looked at. But again, I say, I say to the House, we will have to agree amongst all the parties that further expenditures on infrastructure will be necessary, and that will be a public expenditure requirement on the country. Ms. Campbell. Minister was, was responsible for the establishment of the Stern Report, which, as he will recall, pointed out the severe economic consequences of climate change. Isn't it clear from the events of the last few weeks that we cannot afford not to take the necessary steps, nor indeed not to spend the necessary money in order to mitigate the effects of climate change? Yeah. Well, he's absolutely right. The Stern report said, and it was commissioned by the Treasury, global warming is very likely to intensify the water cycle and increasing the risks of floods. So this is an accepted um, a, a part of the stern recommendations that we have to do more. I have to say to him that we've increased expenditure on flood defences from 300 million to 600 million. We will increase that in the next few years to 800 million. We will make sure that the investment that is necessary is made. And if the review reports that we need to do more, then we will put it to this House of Commons that we should spend more to make sure that our infrastructure is properly equipped to deal with the emergencies such as we've seen. Very Mr. Speaker, my right honourable friend will be uh, aware that uh, bingo clubs, the length and breadth of the country, provide a safe form of entertainment for many thousands of our constituents. However, due to a combination of factors such as a smoking ban, the, removement of, uh, <coughs> the removal of amusement games, and the higher levels of taxation faced by bingo clubs, 21 clubs already have closed in Scotland alone. Would my right honourable friend agree to meet with me and representatives of the industry to see if we can find a way forward, particularly in respect to value-added tax, to try and preserve as many of our bingo clubs as we can? I, I, I'm grateful, Jim. Uh, this, this is an issue that uh, I, I have looked at from time to time. Uh, I, I realise um, he's passing judgment on a former Chancellor of the Exchequer when he's making his comments about what has happened as regards taxation of bingo. I can assure them that uh, the Chancellor of the Exchequer will be continuing to look at these matters, but I am also very happy to meet him to talk about it. Was the, was the Prime Minister's predecessor right to give up 
£7 billion of Britain's EU rebate? The, 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 agreement, the, agreement, the agreement that we got on the the agreement we got on the budget is a good agreement for Britain. The agreement we got means that uh, we will make a proper contribution to the... Well, I, I'm... Let the Prime Minister speak. Let the Prime Minister speak. I'm, I'm sorry, Conservative members, I'm not wishing to support the enlargement of the European Union, which is the reason why, which is the, reason why the budget was adjusted. It was right to do that in the interest of supporting the economic development of Eastern Europe. I believe we got a good settlement for the country. I believe that when the House debates, debates it in detail, they will see it's a good settlement for the country. And I hope from his new position of freedom on the back benches, he might be able to support us. Yeah. <laughs> Mr Speaker, uh, my right honourable friend will know that today in Britain there are 4,000 children living in care establishments longing to live in family homes with parents. I would ask my right honourable friend, what is his government doing about this? Well, she raises, she raises a, 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 very, a very important issue, which I, can tell her, which I can tell her is very much part of the spending review that we are undertaking at the moment, to do more for children in the establishments that she's talking about, to recognise the needs of these children. I believe that all parties will accept we have undervalued uh, what we need to do in the past and the review that, we're taking, that is taking place will actually make for a better policy for the future. And I'm very happy to talk to her about these issues so that we can agree in a proper way forward. David Cameron. Thank you, Mr Speaker. This morning, the Prime Minister says in an interview about the EU Constitution, if I thought I was doing something... He says, if I thought I was doing something that needed a referendum, I would say so. The Irish Prime Minister says that 90% of the Constitution remains in the treaty. The Spanish Foreign Minister says it's 98%. What figure would the Prime Minister put on it? The Leader of the Opposition is entitled to be heard. Order. Now, I've said it before now. Order. Order. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't want a whip at my side shouting. That's the last thing I want. Uh, as the right honourable gentleman. Very simple question for the Prime Minister. If it's 98% from the Spanish Foreign Minister, if it's 90% from the Irish Prime Minister, what figure would he put on it? Yeah. I, I see, Mr Speaker, we're back to the old agenda very quickly. Yeah. It, I, I, ju I, 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 just, I just have to tell him that if you look at each aspect of the treaty and what we secured in our negotiations, then he should be supporting it, not opposing it. The first reason is on the, the, first reason is on the Charter of, of Rights. It is non-justiciable in British law. So we secured our negotiating objective. The second thing is on justice and home affairs. We have a knocked-in, so we secured our negotiating objective. The third issue is on security and, home, uh, and foreign affairs and defence policy, and it, it remains intergovernmental, so we have secured our objective. The fourth issue was on social security. No expenditures will be made affecting us without an emergency break that we can put on, so we secured our negotiating objective. National security will remain a matter for individual governments, so we secured our negotiating objectives. He might be better, uh, in the interest of unity within his own party, at looking at what uh, the chair of his democracy task force said only a few days ago. That as a result of what we had negotiated, a European referendum, I quote his words, 
would be crackpot, dotty and frankly absurd. If he wants to, if he wants to trade quotes from former chancellors, I can tell him about a former chancellor who promised a referendum, who put it in his manifesto, and that former chancellor was him. He talks, he talks about his red lines, but he had red lines with the constitution, and they're pretty much the same red lines. That's why the man who wrote the constitution says the changes have been few and far between. That's why the president of the commission is going round saying it will usher in, and I quote, the world's first non-imperial empire. Now, Giscard d'Estaing says more than 90% remains. Jean-Luc Dehaene, the former Prime Minister of Belgium, says it's 95%. So which is it? He claims to be a numbers man. Is it 90%? Is it 95%? Or is it 98%? Come on. Let, let me just... Let, let, me just read from the let me just read from the mandate agreed at the Council. The constitutional concept, which consisted in repealing all existing treaties and replacing them by a single text called Constitution, it is abandoned. That was a decision that was made at the IGC in Brussels, and unless the Conservative Party recognised that that was achieved and that all our negotiating objectives, including, including the opt-outs, that the constitutional, that the, 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 the charter was non-justiciable in English and British law, all these were achieved. And I think, I think the Conservative Party have got to wake up to the fact that we succeed when we negotiate in Europe and we don't need to have an empty chair. Why doesn't he wake up and read this quote from his trade minister? It's, it's a con to call this a treaty. It's not. It's exactly the same. It's a constitution. That's the man he put in the House of Lords as his trade minister. He says he wants... Yeah. He says he wants to restore trust in a government that he's been part of for 10 years. He says he wants to involve people in the decisions affecting their lives. He says he wants the state to be the servant, not the master. Yet on the key test of whether to honour the commitment he personally gave to hold the referendum, he has failed. Why is he afraid to trust the people and hold that referendum? Yeah. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, he's back to the old agenda. It didn't take long after the Ealing Southall by-election for him to retreat. The old agenda on Europe, the old agenda on grammar schools, the old agenda on spending, the old agenda on tax cuts. Mr. Mr. Speaker, the wheels are going off the Tory bicycle. And it's just as well he's got a car following him when he goes out on his run. Let me... Let, let, me just, let, me just, let me just say what his old friend, Lord Cams, has said to him. We're having a very bad period. We need to do some rethinking. Some of the policies need substantial working on. What we should do, he said, is pack up, go back to our constituencies, and then come back in the autumn and rethink. That's what they've got to do. join me in urging Royal Mail to enter into meaningful discussions with the CWU and thus ensure the good pay and jobs of Royal Mail employees such as those at Mount Pleasant Sorting Office in my constituency and ensure that their paying conditions are properly protected. Well, obviously we want uh, decent pay for all uh, workers in this country but I, but I have to say to my honourable friend uh, that we have got also to tackle inflation in this country and people have got to accept settlements that make sure that inflation is low in the years to come. 
And while I want to see justice for every low-paid worker in this country, we've got, to remember, we've got to remember that if we don't win the battle against inflation, then we'll have a bigger problem next year or the year after. And that's why I believe that all workers should look at pay settlements as a means by which we can conquer inflation over these next few months. Sir Robert Smith. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Given the warnings from the Chief of the General Staff at the weekend that the Army is out of reserves, and that the Defence Select Committee heard yesterday that over 90% of attacks, terrorist attacks in Basra are now on British forces, isn't it time to bring the British forces out of Iraq and concentrate our efforts in Afghanistan, which the West neglected by going to war, rushing to war in Iraq on a false perspective? I have, to, I have to say to the, the Honourable Member, we will meet our responsibilities in Iraq. These are responsibilities in relation to the United Nations and to the new democratic Iraqi government. But we have reduced the number of troops from 44,000 to 5,500. We have moved from a position of in a combat role in three provinces to an overwatch role. We will have to make a decision about moving to an overwatch role in a fourth province. And I don't think we'd be doing the Iraqi government or our commitments to the United Nations any service by setting an artificial timetable now. I agree with them, however, that we must support the effort in Afghanistan. We, this is the front line against the, the, the Taliban. Uh, this is where we would like to see greater burden sharing by all our NATO and other allies. Uh, and this is where, of course, our army and our defence forces are doing, as in Iraq, an excellent job. And I just want to say to him that where the army and the defence forces ask for extra and new equipment in both Iraq and Afghanistan, it is being provided, and we've already spent three quarters of a billion pounds to update the equipment that is available to the forces, and in Afghanistan in particular, I was able to announce new helicopters for our forces for this year and for next year. And I hope he will agree uh, that when it comes to the provision of equipment to deal with these emergencies, uh, we have been forthcoming in providing the resources necessary. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Holly Davenport from Wakefield was just five years old when she suffered burns to 50% of her body when she fell into a scalding hot bath. Each year, 600 people suffer the same terrible fate as Holly, three quarters of whom are children under five. Can I ask my right honourable friend to meet with me and the Hot Water Burns Like Fire Coalition so that we can impress upon him the need to change the law, to install thermostatic mixing valves in, onto baths, and so that the three million new homes that we're going to build over the next 13 years protect the most vulnerable in our society? I, I, I do want to praise her campaign on behalf of her constituents uh, and in the light of the, the terrible uh, damage and injuries that were inflicted. And we do share uh, her concern uh, to do everything we can to minimise her scalding as a lot of failures in hot water systems. I can tell her we're working very closely with the industry to provide guidance and training to those who install and maintain hot water systems and to review building regulations because these are important to what further action is necessary. Uh, but I'm very happy uh, to meet her uh, to talk, uh, and her campaigners to talk about these issues. Angus Robertson. Uh, Mr Speaker, today's Scottish Opinion Survey sees the standing of the Prime Minister trumped by that of the SNP Scottish Government. May I ask him He's devastated. to turn this around? Who is he supporting as the next leader of the Labour Party in Scotland, or is he standing behind Jack McConnell? Well, I, have to, I have to say the, the former First Minister has done an excellent job for Scotland, and during, during, his period in office, during his period in office and that of his predecessors, 250,000 jobs were created in Scotland. Uh, and I believe that the state of the Scottish economy is due in no small part 
uh, to the work of this government with the Labour Scottish Administration when it was in power. And I, 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 do hope, I do hope that there is nothing that his party will do to damage the economic record which has brought such prosperity to Scotland. Lindsay Hoyle. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Will my right honourable friend commit a boost to UK manufacturing with the commitment to the new aircraft carriers, which are much needed by the Royal Navy, and ensure that those platforms will have UK-built aircraft, and if JSF transfer doesn't go ahead, that he will actually operate Typhoon from those carriers. Well, I'm grateful to my uh, friend. He's always taken an interest in the ordering of the aircraft carriers. Uh, what, what is announced on them is eagerly awaited in Portsmouth, in Glasgow, Rosyth, Barrow, and indeed throughout the UK maritime industry. This is a major project for the future of the shipbuilding industry and a major addition to the strategic strength of the Royal Navy. And I hope he will be pleased by the announcement that the Defence Secretary is going to make in a few minutes. David Heathcote, Emery. Mr Speaker, in the Government's first election manifesto, it stated that uh, under its plans for Scotland, um, and I quote, the Union will be strengthened and the threat of separatism removed. As we now have a separatist uh, leader of the Scottish Executive, and given the increasing resentment in England about the imbalance in funding and voting between Scotland and England, what positive proposals does the Prime Minister have for dealing with this, or is he just in denial? I've got to say to him that both in the Scottish and Welsh elections, more than uh, nearly 70% of the voters voted against separatist parties. Uh, and there is no majority for separation, uh, no majority for independence in either Scotland or Wales, uh, even after the elections that he is talking about. And I would have thought that the Conservative Party had learned its lesson on these issues. When the leader of the Conservative Party is in Scotland, he says he supports devolution wholeheartedly. But when he's in England, he says he's got doubts about whether it should happen at all. I believe the Conservative Party... Oh, yeah. I, I, I believe... I, I, believe, I believe the Conservative... I believe the Conservative Party should make up its mind and support the Union and support devolution. Yeah. Mr. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Is it fair? <laughs> is it fair that 1.8 million children in this country grow up in poverty because they live in a household where nobody works? This is the single biggest issue in my constituency in the Ronda. Isn't it time that we did far more to make sure that we give? Isn't it time we did far more to make sure that every child gets an opportunity in life and to get more people off benefits and into work so that we break the vicious circle, which means that poverty cascades down through the generations? Well, my, 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 my honourable friend is absolutely right. When the employment figures were published last week, 29 million people were in work, 2.5 million more people than in 1997. And it is as a result of the New Deal opposed by the Conservative Party, the result of the minimum wage opposed by the Conservative Party, the result of the new measures in public expenditure opposed by the Conservative Party, we will continue to do the right thing to create jobs in this country. Yeah. Guardian Unlimited.